Hello, and welcome to the World of Autism podcast, a podcast about all things autism. I am Dr. Jeff Knight, and I'm on a mission to create hope, peace of mind, freedom, and confidence for these children with autism, and in serving their families to help create the happiest, healthiest versions of themselves. In this podcast, we dive deep in creating many different solutions, talking about resources, and providing insight and stories of hope for families that suffer and have challenges with autism. Please join with me, and I look forward to connecting with you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the World of Autism podcast. This is episode four, and I'm so excited to have you all join us today. Um, I'm with a wonderful individual who has become a friend over the years. Her name is Gina Baker, and she is so qualified for the topic that we are going to be speaking on for the number one reason is she has a child with autism. Um, but not only that, she is trained in so many other things. She is a nurse by, by education and practice. And she's not only a nurse, but she is a life coach. And she does consulting and coaching to families and, and parents with children with autism. She has so many great resources and knowledge and expertise that I know this is going to be a huge value for anyone who listens to this podcast today. So Gina, welcome to our podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. Um, and first of all, I'd love to have you share a little bit about, um, you know, your background and who you are um, and a, a little bit about Niles too. That'd be awesome if you could share with everyone. Sure. Thanks. So as you said, I am a nurse, although I will offer <laughs> that did not prepare me very much for my autism journey. <laughs> um but my autistic son is 10. Um, he's what most would probably call severely affected, but um, we look at every little win every day and celebrate it. And, um, but it was a big turning point for myself in my life. I was not sure about who I was, where I was going, how to manage my mind, um, to really stand up for things. And autism for me was a big turning point in that. Mm -hmm. I often... I mean, I'll even think to myself, just where would I be if I didn't have a child with autism? So um, right now I do work a lot from home. As you mentioned, I do coach other parents, um, not only on you know, managing with autism, but also, as you mentioned, um, food and play and several other aspects of autism. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. So today, you know, one of the big topics we're going to talk about is what you said, food. And, and I know for a lot of families that have kids with autism, this is one of the most overwhelming, stressful things that I think they deal with. And, and what's interesting, I'm a father of six kids, and even having my, my kids that are not um, diagnosed with autism, that are not on the spectrum, getting them to he eat healthy can be a, a big chore. <laughs> and can be a big struggle for, for us as well. And so I want to dive into your world as far as how you, how you have been able to navigate um, making sure to, to provide you know, quality foods for your child because it is such a challenge to get kids to eat healthy, number one, but then to have a child that has autism to also be willing um, 
to eat healthy. I mean, you know, tell us a little bit about um, how can someone successfully do this with a child with autism? What are some things that you would, you would recommend or where would you start with that conversation? Well, first I'd like to start with um, a consideration. I don't know that this has ever been proven, but a consideration, and I feel like there's evidence to support it. And I feel like any individual wants to feel good and they want to, you know, and healthy food makes you feel good. Um, there is some evidence. And if you just watch your children with their food, do they ever act like an addict around their favorite foods? There is some evidence to support that gluten can actually be addicting, sugar addicting, um, some of the artificial food coloring addicting. Mm-hmm. And so I would actually push back on that they want to eat that. <laughs> um, I would say that it's kind of addicting. <laughs> sure. Um, and then I also, so as I've learned how to get my kids to eat better, especially my child with autism, it's been really interesting to watch his behaviors overall as we've been able to manage the addicting foods and get them out of his diet. Um, but first I'll start with our, our experience, our failure. <laughs> We, um, we had a doctor, we asked him about diet and he's like, oh sure, just start with gluten and casein, just pull it all out mm-hmm. and go. So that's what we did. Um, we had three days full of meltdowns. Um, my husband messed up a couple times <laughs> just because we weren't used to it. Um, and my son, I don't think he ate much in the three days at all. Really? And so we asked the doctor, like, what do we do? And the doctor was like, we'll just give up. And that was, that was it. <laughs> and so fast forward down the road about, I don't know, probably a year later, I was at another autism class with a bunch of other parents. And I heard one of the leaders there say he had never seen an autistic child. And this is his observation. I'm not saying this is FDA approved. <laughs> um, he had never seen a child make a big gain in autism without a diet change. And sure. so I don't know why that hit me, but I was like, we've got to try it again. Right. And, but I didn't want to repeat what we did. <laughs> sure. So what I came up with was, well, what if we do a one item swap? And so what I did was his bread. Nice. I took it out and I, I found a gluten and granted my son right then was eating like a 12 grain bread. Like it was not white refined <laughs> Okay. So finding a gluten-free bread that has some type of substance to it, it, it took some doing, but we found him and we got him switched. So once we did that, I switched out his tortilla chips. And nice. once we did that, I switched out. I don't even remember after that. Like it just, oh, and I, I do have to back up. So spousal support is, can be so huge make or break here. I got lucky. Um, we were buying Otter Pops and I just one day I was like, I wasn't even eating them, but my husband loves them. Okay. <laughs> and I just was like, I think these are of the devil. I'm not buying them anymore. I hate them. <laughs> Five days after refusing to give any more to my son, he started sleeping through the night. Wow. And so after that, my husband was like, okay, what else you got? <laughs> right. <laughs> so that, after that, I had a lot of support and diet changes. And after we started doing the one item swap, we started gaining some momentum. And I mean, today he eats apples, cucumbers, and some protein for lunch and breakfast. And that's generally his standard lunch and breakfast. And then dinner, I mean, it's a variety. 
and we'll have spaghetti squash spaghetti that he'll eat last night we had brussels sprouts sugar-free bacon and cauliflower rice and he loved it so it's been a progression i typically Mm -hmm. recommend to parents i'm like you can go the cold turkey it's hard it's scary to watch it'll be shorter um, or you can do the one item swap. And the nice thing about the one item swap is it really helps you as the parent get used to maybe making that extra food, maybe cutting up that carrot instead of just grabbing the bag of chips. So it helps you slowly cut over to long-term change. Great. No, I think that's such a wonderful tip and exchanges, you know, taking something that they're already eating and exchanging or swapping it, as you say, for something that's going to be a better, healthier option that allows them to not feel like they're necessarily sacrificing something that they enjoy, but making sure you're replacing it with something that can be really helpful and beneficial. Um, and fantastic. I would add a few tips there. Yeah. Observe their food. Okay. <laughs> Don't start with the food that they are an absolute must have, going to have a meltdown. Like start with that middle of the road <laughs> food. That, you know, they like, but they can do without. Start there. (laughs) Smart. Um, Don't pressure. Like, oh, you have to try this. No, just it's on their plate. They can have it or not. With autistic kids, you have to present it in different ways. You have to try different recipes. You have to present multiple different times. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it took us six different bread types to find the one my son would eat. Um, For chicken nuggets, I think I tried nine different recipes before I found one he would eat. And it wasn't just major disaster when one didn't work. I was just like, okay, that one didn't work next. And, and so you would put the food on his plate and just allow him to have an opportunity to choose whether or not he was going to eat it. Um, always serve it with something that he'll eat. Perfect. So like what he, I'm just curious what you said, you had nine different recipes you used. So with those like chicken nuggets, um, would he actually try some of them and actually take a bite or would he even just completely avoid it? Like how did he finally come around to finding one that worked for him? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think number one was I didn't put any pressure. It's on your plate. You can eat it or not. And I will mention my son wasn't this way, but I know other kids are this way. Super sensitive to smells, super sensitive to appearance. You may have to start with the unpeeled orange, although I don't recommend oranges, on the table, not on their plate. (laughs) You might have to unpeel the orange on the table, not on their plate. You might have to move the bowl closer to them just so they start getting that tolerance. Mealtime can be a big sensory overload for some kids. So, I mean, there's that consideration. And it just, it kind of depends, but a lot of it is no pressure, but also when I serve it with something like I would serve the chicken nuggets with an apple yeah. where he's probably going to want more than an apple for dinner. Sure. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so eventually he'll, he might try it. He might put it off for a while. I mean, there's always breakfast in the morning. Um, so it is kind of in the end how much the parent wants to take the chance on with their kid, but going the one item swap, they were still getting fed. It was zero pressure to eat. I mean, yes. eat it or not, it's on the table. And you have other food that I know he'll eat. So he eventually literally just started trying. I mean, there was sometimes like, like last night where we had Brussels sprouts and bacon. If it was his first time trying Brussels sprouts, I might've said, have a Brussels sprout and then I'll give you a piece of bacon. Yeah. Which bribery does work for autistic kids. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and now he knows, now we've done that so many times, like just try it. He'll try it. Cool. Nice. 
No, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, and, and so with those, like, for example, with kids that are only willing to eat five or six things. Um, so you say, start with something that would be something they can live with or without as far as exchanging. Don't take away the thing that they love the most. Um, what, what are some other effective ways to start getting them to introduce, you know, these foods? You said bribery. Are there other, other good things like, you know, Brussels sprouts? I know some families out there are like, wow, like I won't even eat Brussels sprouts, you know, or, or maybe Call me, I have two good recipes for Brussels sprouts. See, I'm, so. I'm a big fan of Brussels sprouts too. I love, I love some good Brussels sprouts. So, but, um, so how do you start to introduce some of these other good healthy options? Cause I know a lot of times people I'll hear this from families with kids is they'll say, yeah, my kid will eat French fries, strawberry yogurt, um, you know, chicken nuggets, mac and cheese and you know maybe like two or three other things and they're like that's it so um so the exchanges is definitely a key a huge thing um, but then how do we get away from maybe some of these foods that aren't that healthy or aren't as good for the child like you notice with otter pops taking that away and how he started sleeping through the night where where can we empower parents or and families to help them realize like the next step, because I feel like there's times where they really feel like they don't have the power and they're totally, you know, just feeling paralyzed. So can you speak to that? Sure. So one thing I think you'll have to remember with the exchanges is, as we talked at the beginning, gluten, sugar, and the like are addicting. Yes. And so once you start doing those exchanges, you are pulling those addicting substances out of the body. The body is slowly getting rid of them. Um, it's so funny. I have heard up to nine months to get rid of gluten. So parents generally will do gluten-free for a week and say it didn't work and they'll stop. Right. Um, I don't know that it takes as long as nine months to see something, but definitely something to keep in mind before you give up after a week. <laughs> no doubt. So just keep in mind that after the exchanges, you are getting rid of those addicting substances, which are part of the problem. And that inherently will help. The other thing I would say is look at the characteristics of what they're eating. So for instance, I was doing play therapy with two little girls and one of them would only eat white stuff. So mm. for her, we actually took a step backwards <laughs> before we tried to move forwards. And I would, I would go to the store before their session and I would buy everything white, whether it was good or not, but I needed to expand her ability to try other things first. Okay. And so what I would do, because we're just doing play therapy, I would have just the bowls of the white snacks on the table while we're playing and she could take it or not. And she actually a couple of times did try a new food. So just, I mean, just working at the edges of what they're okay to do. So I'm only going to eat white foods. Okay. What is white that we can do? Hickamel, honestly, is a great yeah. white food and it's crunchy. And so it adds more of that sensory input that they sure. may or may not like. I know some autistic kids are like liquid, soft stuff only. But that's my next point is my son was crunchy, spicy, all the things that he loved. And so when we were trying to get away from chips at all, we went to carrots and cucumber and apple and crispier things that still gave him that crunch that he liked. Nice. That's wonderful. Wow. Way to, way to work around um, that challenge. I think that's brilliant to include you know, meet really it's, it's meeting them where they're at. Right. Um, and finding a way to connect with 
that child and your child and, and other ch children um, to where they're at and, and then making those next steps. So that's, that's wonderful because I know it is sometimes people feel like it's an all or nothing and, and that definitely as you've learned and as I've seen too can be really frustrating. So I, d I do want to ask, were you able to get to a point where um, Niles was able to go gluten-free, dairy-free? Oh, we're 100%. And we're actually 100% grain free. That's amazing. And tell me what you've noticed as you've made those changes and where it took. I mean, and, and for you, how long did it take to get to being gluten free, dairy free, and now grain free? So dairy free was actually fairly easy because for some reason, when he was two, he just didn't like milk. Okay. He just never drank it. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> no big deal. Um, so he does like cheese. Um, but that was just easier to pull out because we didn't have cheese as often as we had grain and grain. It took us a bit, um, but things, biggest things I would say I've noticed is aggression for sure. Okay. Aggression is down. His hyperactivity is down. His ability to sit is so much better than when he was four years old. Um, I mean, his ability to sit two years ago was so much better than he was four years old. We just keep noticing improvements with the gluten and grain that we have pulled out. And then too, I mean, I know there's other parents out there that are all nighters with their kids. Yeah. Um, his sleep is, I mean, it takes him a bit to go to sleep and we still have some nights that he wakes up um, early or in the middle of the night. Um, but I mean, it's so much better than it used to be. And it was so funny when we first started autism right after his diagnosis, I laugh with other parents because it's like they get diagnosed and all of a sudden their symptoms skyrocket and it's like, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he did not sleep well at all after his diagnosis for some reason. And the first person I talked to, she, that was her first question. She's like, fix the sleep and you'll fix a lot of the symptoms. So diet really does help with sleep. He didn't wake up with night terrors. He went to sleep easier. He slept longer. So. Wow. That's great. So it took longer to do the, the gluten, but uh, dairy was pretty easy. Now when he ate cheese, um, like, would you notice any real major issues? Cause I know some people will argue like, Hey, if it's like organic or grass fed, you know, like dairy, um, then that's probably okay. Right. I mean, I know everyone's a little different, so just share with me a little bit about that. Um, and that's, I would like to point out to a lot of people, this is not a rash on the face. This is not diarrhea necessarily. Um, we actually recently did a dairy trial and he had increased aggression. So we were like, well, not when we're not going sure. back to that yet. <laughs> E easy enough, right? Yeah. Okay. And I feel like you get pretty good after a while going, oh, we changed this and this happened. Right. No, and I, um, I had a fam, I have a family I'm working with, uh, their daughter who's on the spectrum. They had been trying gluten-free, dairy-free, and they just barely started getting into it. And I think they'd been doing it for about a month or so and things were really good. And they said, oh, you know what? We'll just try some pizza. And holy cow, that set him back like a month or two just mm -hmm. from introducing the pizza one night, one day, you know, one time. And it was like we had to literally trace back some steps as far as how we ended up working with this family. And they they innocently thought, you know, this isn't a big deal. You know, we've been avoiding gluten and dairy for the last month. So yeah, it's, you know, one time here and there, is it gonna hurt? And And in their case, they learned that this is something that actually did hurt and it made things a lot more difficult. And there was actually a fair amount of regression. 
So what would you say with families that kind of feel like, you know what, eating this way is restrictive or eating this way um, doesn't allow me to celebrate or to, to be able to express, you know, myself or have our family traditions. I mean, what, what would be some other things you would um, recommend or suggest for families that are maybe having that fight? Because I know that sometimes it's more the, the parents are going to have the challenge with this than maybe the child themselves. What, yeah. what do you think? Well, it's interesting because I actually um, taught a diet class for moms that have kids with autism, just kind of like a self-care. And one of them, it was her birthday. And she was like, well, I have to have birthday cake. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is throw out your should list. <laughs> right. Just do yourself a favor. But the second thing I would say is, which is honestly is one of my favorite questions to ask myself is what can I do about it? Um, if you're not doing gluten-free, there are so many options out there now that are gluten-free. I would warn you because they're generally full of other junk, Sure. but there's so many, I mean, ty different types of flour. I, I get compliments on my cakes all the time and they are grain and dairy-free. And so tell us a little bit about one of those. Um, one is, well, actually, so I just switched to another one. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> It's a chocolate banana bread and I get um, the monk fruit sweetened chocolate chips in it. So we don't even have sugar and I generally stay away from sugar, but it's mm -hmm. the bread itself is sweetened with banana and honey oh, wonderful. and that's it. Nice. And then some monk fruit chocolate chips sprinkled on top and that's, and that's it. The other one, I have made this chocolate cake with coconut um, sugar and almond flour. It does have eggs in it. Um, and I know some people have egg allergies, but there's really good substitutes out there for eggs that work great. Um, so just instead of like, oh, I can't, well, what can I do? Um, I've actually created some really great dairy-free ice cream recipes just by playing around. So, I mean, we've found different ways to celebrate. And before we found out my son <laughs> didn't do well with strawberries, his birthday was like a bowl full of strawberries. And I mean, no complaints from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. And I, I think I cut you off in the middle of that um, question I had about some good, good options, but um, so finish your thought with um, what we were talking about in, in terms of, of the family and parents that maybe get stuck on that. And you said, throw out the should list. Um, what are some other things you would recommend? I mean, you mean as far as celebrating or yeah. being restricted and yeah. And you know, it's, so I'm a nurse and people, what I would give them an IV or a shot, is this going to hurt? My answer was, it's going to hurt as bad as you think it's going to hurt. Mm. So if you go into this with a restricted attitude and life is going to be horrible and it's going to be miserable. I mean, I will fully admit to you when my husband and I go out on date nights, we're eating pizza and ice cream. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> I mean, we generally, we eat generally healthy in the first place because of my son. And I really appreciate that actually, because I feel like I feel a lot better. Right. Um, but you can still cheat. It's sure. fine. Sure. Um, oh, one thing I was going to say though, with our kids, the GI lining, it's in use every day. Um, you've got food going in, you've got juices, you've got stool coming out, like it's in use. Yes. And in our kids, I feel like in a lot of them, it's hurt. And so we're trying to make it better. And it's like, when you send that offending food down, you are ripping that scar off again. Mm. And it just takes a lot of time, unfortunately, to heal it. 
I mean, here I am probably a good five years down the road from really starting to get good momentum on a diet. And while my son's a lot better than he is, we're still going at it, but we were able to make diet changes and find so many solutions on the way that I thought I would miss bread. I don't, I don't care about bread. Right. I know it's amazing, right? When you actually stay away from certain foods that you think, you know, you, well, at one point you, you loved and absolutely just looked forward to eating, but when you avoid it for a certain amount of time, it's like, Hey, not a big deal. And your body is like, lets you know too, when you reintroduce some of that, it's like, Whoa, okay. That's feeling a little heavy, you know? So that's great. And cauliflower pizza crust is amazing. We've been yes. barbecue chicken pizza without cheese. I mean, it's fine. Nice. That's fantastic. Um, so as far as like diets in general, do you, do you tend to recommend any specific diet? I mean, of course we've talked about gluten-free, we've talked about dairy-free, um, and grain-free. Um, are there any other specific things that you have found to be more helpful for you and your family or that you've seen with other families that have been beneficial? So I think, first of all, it depends on the child. If you have an allergy and you are being told to stop gluten or dairy now, you need to stop it now. And so that child, I would recommend cold turkey. Sure. Um, if you are just looking to make changes and make them gradual, gluten and casein are probably the biggest offenders. And I forget where I read it, but um, it was some study saying that they will probably help a lot of children. So I honestly just recommend starting there. Yeah. And if you're going to do the one item swap, then just start with one item, gluten or casein, take your pick. Yep. Um, but we honestly have had to move and deeper into what's called the GAPS diet yes. and the specific carbohydrate diet. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, they're fairly similar. <laughs> um, and they have six introductory stages, which we kind of went through. I was really far down the diet road to stay here, let's eat broth for two days. <laughs> right. Um, which is what, and, and they say you can skip it. They're like, it'll just take longer. So again, that's up to you. But we had honestly already moved that direction anyway, just finding, just following the breadcrumbs, you know, oh, you're irritated today. Is there a reason? I mean, people can be irritated. That's fine. I was irritated on Sunday. <laughs> sure. Um, but was there a reason? Was there a new food? Was there, you know, something that happened and is there a change we need to make? You can do trials all the time. Like I said, I did, I really was hesitant to eliminate strawberries, but we did. Yeah. And, and you found out strawberries for Niles, was that from a food allergy test or just trial and error? Trial and error, aggression. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think it's important for people to realize, and I like what you said about when you are introducing some of those foods that are potentially harmful, it is like ripping a scab off and opening up a wound. And, uh, you know, there are certain things that, I mean, food is information, right? It's, it's sending a signal, it's providing information uh, to our bodies. And so some of the foods that we do put in, yeah, it's basically like, you know, it's like our taste buds might love it, but the rest of the body saying, please don't do it, you know? So uh, it's important to remember that because um, just how it does trigger so many different things like with inflammation and, you know, we've heard, people have heard about leaky gut or intestinal permeability and how that can lead to some, uh, so many other inflammatory issues. But you mentioned um, symptoms that a lot of kids will have is potentially aggression. What are some other possible symptoms that 
parents are noticing with foods and, and the difference that that can actually play a role in, in families? Um, I think hyperactivity is a big one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, like we've discussed, diet changes are hard. Um, but then again, they're as hard as you want to make them. But many a parent, my child won't sleep. Hyperactivity. And I'm like, pull the sugar. Yeah. And sugar is in places you would not think. It's in ketchup. It's in bacon, which is why we get sugar-free bacon. It can be coated on your fries. Sure. Like, so it's in a lot of places. And hyperactivity, I would say, is probably the next biggest one. Um, just sugar the way it reacts in the brain, I feel like in these kids' brain, it just reacts even more um, severely than it might a normal child. Yeah. Okay, good. And I love, I love what you're sharing, Gina. I mean, this is such great insight, not just for parents with kids with autism, but this is honestly, I, I hope more people listen to this because there's so much value you're providing. I love the insight of what you said that it's the problem is only as big as you're going to make it. And if you make a big deal, then it is going to be a big deal, right? And so, um, so that's just so great. Now, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about you and your coaching too, because I mean, you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, we, we see that just from this conversation and what you're providing. Um, share with the, the listeners as far as some other things you do and, and how you can help and and really how people can potentially even reach out to you. For sure. So um, as mentioned, it's largely been one-to-one -one coaching. I am holding a, a webinar, a free webinar, January 20th, specifically on this topic. So if you want to come get some more details, maybe some food logs, some worksheets, um, just go to spectrumlane.com and get yourself on the newsletter and you will get that information. And um, you can find us on Facebook. Um, I post there regularly, just kind of the daily trials <laughs> and how I'm getting through them. And then if you want to contact me directly, my email is Gina, G-I-N-A at spectrumlane.com. Excellent. And Spectrum Lane is spelled S-P-E-C-T-R-U-M-L-A-N-E. -E. Perfect. Okay. That's so good. Um, fantastic. And, and are there any other things that maybe we haven't touched on that you feel would be really important for... Um, our listeners to hear and, and for families to know. I just want to expand for a minute. Kind of what you brought up is it's as hard as you make it. Um, it's really interesting because I have be become really sensitive to, okay, this event happened. I can't do anything about it, or I'm just spending too much time worrying about it, even though with this pandemic, I mean, I can sit and focus and worry and go, what's this going to do for my business, my children and our house and our future. Or I can say, you know what, what can I do to serve today? And, you know, we all have 24 hours in the day. What are you going to focus on? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> That's so good. I, you know, and, and really it comes down to what can we control and what can we do? Because, you know, we can't control the weather. We can't control, you know, what the government's doing. We can't control, you know, this pandemic, so to speak. We can focus on what we can do and have that peace and confidence and assurance that, hey, if, if we're doing our best, then, then we just keep moving forward. What are some other things you would share with these parents um, that really feel like they are making efforts with doing good things with food and they still feel like they're maybe not seeing the benefits or they just feel like they're really struggling and, and they feel overwhelmed? Is there any other things you could share with them? Um, if you're struggling and feeling overwhelmed, 
take five minutes to yourself, take 10, take a day. <laughs> I, I know speaking from experience, it is hard as a parent with autism. Um, but if I'm feeling overwhelmed, it's because I'm not clear on what I'm doing and I'm not taking time for myself. And what was the other question? <laughs> yeah. So as far as with feeling overwhelmed um, and frustrated, what are some other things you, you would recommend for them? Um, reassess and maybe talk to someone else. Um, Jeff's here. I'm here. There's plenty of other people. Um, I actually met Jeff at a point when I wanted to reassess our diet. I wanted to reassess what we were doing and I wanted a fresh set of eyes on it. Um, and that's where food blogs honestly help a lot. Like, okay, you were aggressive today. What did you eat yesterday? Um, and I know school can play in some tricks here. Um, luckily, I, he's, his school supports us pretty well in his diet, so I don't have too many issues there. Um, but just reassessing new eyes, talk to someone, take a break from it, so to speak. Like, don't, don't be always trying new foods. Like, okay, we're eating these 10 foods. Let's stick with that for a month and just sure. take a break from worrying about it. Nice. And, and, you know, one, one other thing I, I felt to ask earlier that I, that came to my mind is, so I know we touched a little bit about how, you know, eating this way in home, this to me sounds like it's a family affair, not just for the child. Um, I know that there's some parents that think, Hey, maybe I'll prepare my child their food and then I'll eat my food. We haven't talked about that. What do you say about people that think of doing that and versus making sure that it is everyone together. I mean, it's whatever works for you, but for us, it did not work to have him have a different meal. He would be upset that I had bread on my plate and not his, that I had cheese on my plate and not his. Um, but I would offer that you can number one, focus on what the kids and you like. We do hamburgers now on lettuce and the nice. kids love it. Um, mm -hmm. I do, butternut squash fries in our air fryer. The kids love it. Um, and I'm happy to eat it. I think it tastes good. Um, we have found almond flour tacos. So we still have tacos and we just don't include the cheese. Um, I will have yogurt. We use yogurt for sour cream. I'll have that on the table and he doesn't make a fuss over it. So there's a little bit of crossover, but pretty much it's everything in the house is friendly for my son. And so that's just what's worked for us. And also I'm not a fan of cooking like three meals yeah. <laughs> for a meal. <laughs> that, that seems overwhelming and frustrating too. But again, give yourself the opportunity to find something that works. I mean, like I said earlier, we have found this great barbecue chicken recipe. I thought like, oh, sayonara pizza. Yeah. But we have found <laughs> something that works. And so just, again, ask what you can do to make it work for you. Cool. Nice. And yeah, and I, and just from perspective, like from what I've seen, it is hard to try to try to make two or three meals, you know, for one family member and then, you know, a whole separate and it, there can be some conflict and can be some challenges as far as the child feeling left out. So I, I feel like the more that families can be unified in this and realize that, hey, this is the best thing for our child, but also for our family. Because really, like you said, eating healthy is good and our body likes it. And if we all um, can do that and together as a family versus isolating one person, man, that is so difficult to travel that road by yourself. I think any, any family out there that maybe one spouse like, prefers eating a certain way and the other spouse likes the other way, 
that they know how difficult that can be. But when people are unified as far as, you know, doing the, the right things that can, can make a big difference. Um, awesome. A any last things, Gina, this has been so great. And I really have learned a lot from you today. I appreciate your time. Um, but you are just fantastic. So I, I really appreciate it. any last things that you want to share. I'm just overall to other parents with autism, because as I said in the beginning, I feel like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I feel like society puts a lot of pressure on us. I mean, I know, especially when my son was younger, like you have to figure out the speech before he's six years old. You have to be the perfect parent or you're going to ruin this. So the one thing I would say is just like I said at the beginning with all the pressure that we get from society and parents and you should, you should, you should. And also to yourself, because you want to be a good parent, give yourself grace and um, I really loved early on, I had a life coach tell me there are no wrong choices, just learning experiences. So just give yourself grace for like, no matter what happens. Um, and yeah, just learn from everything, take it as a growth experience and take care of yourself. Beautiful, that is great. Thank you so much, Gina, for joining us on the World of Autism podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Knight, and this was Gina Baker. And again, if you want to reach out or connect with Gina, it's spectrumlane.com. That's her um, website as well as her Facebook page. And remind us one more time your email address. It's Gina, G-I-N-A, at spectrumlane.com. And thanks for having me. Cool. Well, hey, have a wonderful day. And um, also tune in, find G Gina's information and tune in with her on January 20th, where she's hosting that free webinar. But again, thanks for joining the World of Autism podcast and have a fantastic day and Merry Christmas. It is the time of the holiday season and happy holidays. Thank you.